Atmosphere Church podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. If you need prayer or just someone to talk with, please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church. Someone from our team will be sure to connect with you. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. We felt it was necessary to talk about anxiety because sociologists are saying we're living in the age of anxiety. And I just love that video because so many of us can relate to that. Just, just these thoughts that are stirring in our minds so bad that it actually keeps us awake in the middle of the night. And so I think it's, it's a super important topic to cover, especially because so many of you are going through this. And, and what is anxiety? Anxiety is any kind of worry, stress, or fear that you feel, and, and it can really sit in so deeply that you can feel as almost like you're drowning in it. And we've all experienced worry, stress, or fear, right? It's like when I was watching my Oklahoma Sooners last night, and they were down 28 to three at one point, and I watched them make their way up to where they actually won the biggest comeback in Oklahoma school history, and I was sitting there, my heart, my heart was palpitating, and I wasn't even playing in the game. I'm just a super fan uh, of the Oklahoma Sooners, and, and you'll, you'll get to know a little bit more about my story if you read the program, but but I, I, I can relate, not just because of, of football games that, that are highly stressed situations, but, but even my life. And, and we talked about my own personal struggle with anxiety last week. And so if you weren't here, I encourage you to go to our website and you can listen to the message. But even godly, good people can get hit with this. And we talked about this man of God named Elijah and how he was a miracle-working guy. Matter of fact, I would say beyond Moses, he was one of the most miraculous men in the Old Testament. And so if you have your Bibles, get them out. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, if you, if you do struggle with anxiety, I, I want to highlight two books and commend you to maybe pick these books up on your own or possibly uh, last week I gave out one of the books first service and I dissed you guys because the 11 o'clock service, you guys had no books left. Um, but I do have two books of the 21 Days to Fearless Living. It's a little devotional. Uh, it's super good and it's been super helpful to many of my friends uh, that have struggled with anxiety. So these are two books. There's many books that you can get on the subject but these are written by serious followers of Jesus that have seen freedom and breakthrough in their own lives with the subject of anxiety. So I highly recommend these books. And for the first 10 people out of the door, uh, we, we have 10 books uh, available uh, with Scott at the Africa table. Uh, and uh, you know, if you have money, you can give it. They're like 15 bucks a copy. But even if you don't have the money, I, I just want to give you something. I want to help you uh, to 
find a healing in this aspect of your life. But 1 Kings chapter 19 is what we want to talk about this morning. I read this last week, but I'm going to read it again for those of you that may have missed last week to catch you up with our story. So Elijah in chapter 18 had experienced two phenomenal miracles of God. Fire has fallen from heaven. He's witnessed this triumph over this Canaanite god Baal that was kind of taking over the Israelites and, and making them veer away from a relationship with the God of Israel. And then he prays for it to rain again, and it rains again. But in chapter 19, he went from his highest high to his lowest low. It says, now Ahab told Jezebel, and Ahab was the king of Israel, Jezebel's wife, all that Elijah had done, how he killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, so may the gods do to me, and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. Can you just come to terms that everybody has a bad day in their life? Have you had a bad day in your life? Can you relate to kind of the space that Elijah's in? He's like, I've had enough. I just want to leave this crazy, broken planet. Nobody wants to serve God. Nobody wants to love God. I'm all by myself. And I see a lot of factors in Elijah's life that's really bringing him to this place of anxiety and depression. And you can be so stuck in your anxiety that it leads you into a state of depression. Most psychologists will tell you that anxiety undealt with will eventually lead you to a season of depression for your life. And so what I see happening in Elijah's life are three main factors that that are kind of contributing to his demise with this anxiety and depression. And I have a slide up there. Exhaustion, which we talked about last week, So I don't want to exhaust the topic. Yeah. Isolation, which we want to talk about this week. And then distortion, which we will cover next week. But if you you think about what Elijah's doing, he's fully exhausted. He's been running like five marathons. He, He has nothing left in his tank, physically or mentally. He's just done. But then what he does, he leaves his servant and he journeys some distance away and he isolates himself. And it's after he isolates himself that he comes into this this season where he's just like, I I just, I'm done. Now I want to kind of just pause and tell you there's a difference of solitude and isolation. And, And solitude can actually be good for your soul. Jesus practiced solitude. But there's a difference of of getting away and getting alone so that you can get closer with God and running away in fear so that you can run away from your problems and get away from everybody. So this is what's happening. It's not solitude, but it's isolation that he's faced with. And in that isolation, something happens 
to your soul. You, you kind of feel alone because you are alone. And I don't know if you've ever been in a season of your life where you felt alone in your life. You felt lonely. Loneliness is an epidemic in our culture. And it's super weird to think about because of social media supposedly connecting all of us, right? And, and some of us have connected with high school friends that we were, you know, uh, disengaged with for decades, and now we're, we're kind of connected. And, and you would think because of the way social media has connected all of us that we would be seeing loneliness pushed out of our life. But we've never been as lonely as we are now as an American culture. I was listening to a podcast this week from... Uh, the former Surgeon General of the United States, his name is Vivek Murthy, and he served under the Obama administration. And in this podcast, this is interesting, because he traveled the country, and he did seminars, and he talked about various issues within different you know, communities. He, he talked about issues of addiction, obesity, and mental illness, but this is what he was saying in the podcast. He says, he found that what Americans wanted to talk to him about the most was the feeling of loneliness. He says, loneliness isn't simply painful, it's lethal. Several meta-studies have found that the mortality risk associated with loneliness is higher than that of obesity and equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes per day. That is mind-blowing. And according to this new nationwide survey performed by the global health service company Cigna, America is currently undergoing a loneliness epidemic with almost 50% of participants feeling lonely. That is, they sometimes or always feel isolated from others and that their relationships are not meaningful. Additionally, 27%, that's one in four Americans, rarely or never feel as though there are people that really understand and connect with them. Only 53% of participants felt that they have meaningful in-person social interactions on a daily basis. That's basically saying in this room right now, half of you, even though you have relationships in your life, you have feelings of loneliness that are paralyzing you. According to one study co-authored by Julianne Holt-Lundstad, a professor of psychology and neuroscience at Brigham Young University, social isolation is increasing, so loneliness may be too. The most recent U.S. Census data, for example, show that more than a quarter of the population lives alone, the highest rate ever recorded. In addition, more than half of the population is unmarried, and marriage rates and the number of children per household have declined since the previous census. One of the hardest hit groups of people being hit with loneliness right now is the Gen Z generation. Those that were born from 1997 to the early 2000s. These are the young adults that are now coming of age. And this isn't just an American issue. The British government, matter of fact, recently appointed a minister for loneliness to combat the issue. How would you like that title? I'm the minister of loneliness. <laughs> Sounds horrible. <laughs> but, but here's how anxiety and loneliness kind of, kind of feed off each other. People that get anxious immediately want to isolate themselves. And, and so you can see how they feed off each other. And so once somebody that is 
feeling the effects of anxiety, they want to move away from people, and then they get into this new space of feeling lonely, and then the loneliness actually fuels more anxiety in their life. And so you get on this really toxic cycle that goes on in a person's life. And what I want to talk about today is that God has an antidote for that. And his antidote is for you to be connected with other human beings. And that the more connected you are with real, authentic relationships, the more fight you are going to have in your soul to come against the anxiety that wants to rip the soul of peace right outside of you. We want to talk about this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Now, in context, this Bible passage is telling us the invention of marriage. This is God bringing Eve to Adam and saying, hey, I'm going I'm to give you a helper suitable for you. But I think there's much more going on in this passage than just a marriage idea. That, that God is recognizing that he has designed us as human beings to be connected to someone else. Matter of fact, the same Surgeon General that I was talking about earlier, he said that loneliness is our warning sign that we need human connection. Like when our stomach makes noises, when it indicates that we're hungry, loneliness is an indication that we are in need to be connected to somebody else. And what's crazy about loneliness is not just a factual thing, it, it, it is a feeling. And I'll never forget this experience I had in Las Vegas. I was leading the church over there. We had this amazing concert on Saturday night. I mean, the, the sanctuary was packed out. Standing room only, people shoulder to shoulder. And I remember I was there and I was kind of saying hi to everybody. And there was this one woman that attended our church and, and, and I saw her and we talked for like a second and, and you know, we just kind of moved on. And the next day, we had church. And then I was available after church for people, and she came up to me, and she said, would you pray for me? And she had tears in her eyes. I said, what's going on? She said, I feel so alone in my life. And it blew my mind, because I'm thinking to myself, that's crazy. Last night, you were in a room where you were literally shoulder to shoulder with, the other, with a bunch of other human beings, but yet you still feel all alone. Then I was thinking about social media, and I was thinking about how many times people have talked to me, and we're talking people that have thousands of so-called friends or followers, and they're on this social media platform, and supposedly they're more connected than they ever have been, but those people, a lot of times, are the same people coming to me saying, I feel all alone. I think in some cases, social media can amplify loneliness because as you're going through people's feeds and you see that they were with their family or they're celebrating their anniversary or they're celebrating their kids' birthdays and they're all together on vacation somewhere and you're looking at yourself in your PJs eating your Ben and Jerry's ice cream going, what about my life? Where's my, where's my family? Where's my people? And it can amplify this feeling of loneliness. And so I, I really want us to take a really strong look at this because if there's one human being, if there's one person that ever was on this planet that could justify 
the ability to be by himself, to be all alone. He didn't need anybody else's help. It was Jesus. But when we read the Gospels, we have to understand that even Jesus, the Son of God, found a need to be connected with other people. One of my favorite passages is Mark chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Mark chapter 14. And this passage is very significant for Jesus' life because he is on the eve of his death. And he's going to be arrested. He's going to be hung on a cross. He's going to be crucified. And he knows it. God's been talking to him about it. He's been prophetically telling his disciples about it. And now his moment is just about ready to happen. And it says here, listen to this. It says, they came to a place named Gethsemane. And and he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. So there's 12 guys that he's doing life with. He's discipling them. He's, He's teaching them all of his ways and all of his teachings. And then it says this. It says, and he took Peter, James, and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. Isn't that interesting? At Jesus' most distressed and troubled time on earth, he found a need to bring up Peter, James, and John and say, sit here with me. Just be with me. There was nothing Peter, James, and John were going to be able to do for Jesus. They weren't going to be able to pray this thing away. They weren't going to be able to do anything to prevent what was about ready to go down. But Jesus said, it is important that I don't face this moment alone. I want my bros with me. I want my guys with me. I want my cornermen with me that they're going to be able to help me face this thing because this is over the top enormous. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a Peter, James, and John that you can turn to in your most distressful, troubled time in your life? Most people, unfortunately, can't say they do. And you don't even need a Peter, James, and John for your most troubled and distressed time. I'm challenging you To use Jesus' example to say you need them in your highest of high as well as your lowest of low. Because these three same guys, Peter, James, and John, were taken up on this mountain as Jesus was going to go into his prayer time with God. And he brings these three guys specifically and says, I want you to come with me. I want you to witness this event with me. And he goes up on this mountain and he's transfigured before them into the glorified state that he represents So heaven touched earth that moment, and these three guys witnessed a transformation of Jesus' earthly kind of presentation into his heavenly presentation. And then, to top it all off, Moses and Elijah show up on the mountain, and Peter, James, and John have front row seats to this enormous event. And they're like, what is happening? Peter wanted to build altars and, and have a party. It was crazy. But if Jesus found it necessary to bring men into his innermost circle to be a part of his highest of highs and to be there for him in his lowest of lows, how much more do we need some Peter and James and Johns 
in our own life. I, I want you to take out that Lego piece that you received when you came in. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with these little contraptions. Hopefully not in the middle of the night when you're walking across your floor and you realize that your son didn't pick all the Lego pieces up. But we wanted to give this to you to illustrate something. You know, the Lego is designed specifically so that it can be connected to another Lego piece. I mean, it wasn't designed to be by itself. It was designed to be connected. I want you to just do me a favor here. I want you to do an experiment with me. I just want you to take your Lego piece with your neighbor's Lego piece, and, and I want you to see how they connect. Just would you entertain me and just connect them to your neighbor's piece of Lego? And just for the sake of you getting your own Lego piece back to remind you this week of, about this, you can deconnect them. But I, I think the Lego is, is such a great metaphor for our lives. Because I believe that God has specifically designed us as humans to be connected to one another. And when we're not connecting the way we're designed to connect, loneliness creeps in. And it goes away only when we begin connecting with other people. Jesus himself, when he was asked by one of the scribes of, of the people that he was speaking to in Mark chapter 12. He says, one of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked Jesus, what commandment is the foremost of all? Out of all these 600 plus commandments that the Jews have been instructed to follow, which one is the most important commandment to follow? And Jesus quotes the most central prayer of Judaism the Shema prayer. He says this. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. What Jesus is referring to here is that if you were to summarize all of these commandments that they have been given to follow down into this concentrated one big kahuna commandment. It is this. Be connected to God and be connected to other people. And here's the crazy part. The better you do in connecting with God, the better you will do in connecting with other people. Matter of fact, one of the indicators that we're not connecting with God really well is that we have a lot of friction and hardship in the relationships horizontally. Because as we connect with God vertically, he helps us with all of the relationships horizontally. Think about that. That's the cross. And, and this is the law that Jesus gives us. In Galatians, Paul, I believe, is thinking about this. And he says this, chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. He says, share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. <laughs> Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, you're not that important? <laughs> and you can look back at him and say, look who's talking. <laughs> 
You're not that important. I just love that. You're, you're not that important. The key for you pushing back the anxiety that's been pushing you around is to fight against this temptation to isolate yourself in this space of anxiety. Because this is the trick of the devil against your life. We see this played out on on the plains of Africa, every National Geographic documentary. What animal always gets devoured? The one that's by itself. There's a strategy in getting you by yourself. There's a strategy in you getting isolated away from everybody else because the devil is setting you up to be his lunch. Take note of that. This is why Jesus, when he came and he lived out this life, he created the church as this vehicle that not only is to continue to bring heaven to earth as he did, but so that we can be the body that this world needs to be connected with God. See, the church isn't a building. This is one of the perks of being a mobile church. This is really not a building. You know, this is a golf course that we're in. So, so we, can't, we can't get tricked into this belief that the church is a place that we go to. Because we're a mobile church. The church isn't a building. The church is the group of people, the community, the common unity of serving Christ and letting God's kingdom come to earth. That's the common unity. We are the community. We are the church. The church is a group of people, not a building. And it's important for us to see. Because when Jesus said the church is the hope of the world, he's not looking at some building. He's looking at us. And he's looking at our connections with one another and says that is how heaven is going to come to earth. Through how these people are connecting to one another. That's how it's going to happen. So the plan A of Jesus is the church, and there is no plan B. The church is and will always be the hope of the world. And the best way that we put God on display is our connections with one another. So as a church, as we have launched this church and as we're moving into our second year as a church, we want you to know that we want to be very intentional about living in community with one another. And so we do this in three ways. So that you can keep your Lego piece connected with other people and fulfill that purpose of why God put you here and to push back on the anxiety that wants to isolate you. And and here's the first way we do it, through weekly gatherings. Weekly gatherings. This is what we're doing today. And you've heard me say this before, but showing up is half the battle. You just getting here and being present, God is inspiring you. God is encouraging you, and God is connecting you. Because it's much more than just the worship and and the message. It's the conversations during the greeting time. It's the conversations at the donut table. It's the conversations that are happening up here during our prayer time. It's through these connections that that God is taking you from glory to glory, from a high to a new high. God is leveling you up every time you show up. Showing up is half the battle. And when you show up, you're halfway to your victory. 
I, I will tell you, the Sundays that you wake up and everything inside of you is like, let's just sleep, man. We don't need church. You hear those thoughts going on? I'm telling you, I've learned something. The days that it's the toughest for you to show up are the days that God has the biggest word that he has to give you. So fight against that. And just get excited. When you feel this pushback, like, don't go. Just go, oh, that means God has a little extra scoop of something for me. I'm going. Thank you, devil, for convincing me that today's a good day to go to church from trying to tell me not to go. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. God wants you here. He has something every time you show up here. So weekly gatherings are a big component of you being connected. Here's the second way we do it here is through life groups. We circle up in people's living rooms throughout the week. And we're in the middle of our fall season of life groups, and they'll be meeting for the next couple of weeks, and then we're going to go dark for Christmas, and then we're going to relaunch them in the middle of January. And it's super exciting to be able to get into a living room and start getting to know the people that you sit with at church. And here's what I've discovered over the the decades that I've been leading people in the church, is that as much as life change happens in rows, I have found that it happens better when we're in circles. I have seen more people find freedom in things that have had strongholds in their life in life groups than I have during services like this. So it's about you finding a place that you can circle up with. Maybe it's somebody's home. Maybe it's through our our bro study or our our men's group that that Jade and I lead. Maybe it's through our our women's ministry that Jennifer and Mary, my wife, lead. But my challenge to you and, and my encouragement to you is find a group that you can circle up with. Somebody that when you're in distress and trouble, you can feel comfortable letting them in in that space without feeling like they're going to judge you or they're going to post it as a status update on their Facebook page, you know? We have to find those people. And sometimes you have to go through a a, a few different groups to where you find that Peter, James, and John that you're really connecting with and you're vibing with, and you will find them. But I love this passage found in James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your trespasses, confess your sins, confess your shortcomings, your failures to one another, and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. See, the Bible tells us that when we confess our sins to God, he forgives us. But when we confess our sins to one another, he heals us. And I think a big part of that is allowing people to see who you really are, the authentic, genuine, transparent you that you may not want to put on display on a Sunday gathering like this, but when you start building that repertoire with somebody and you start hearing some of their baggage and you're like, okay, you know, they're a lot like me and they're not afraid to let me in on their baggage, I'm gonna let them know a little bit about me. One of the most powerful things somebody can ever tell me in a conversation is, I've never told anybody this before, but I feel like I can tell you. I, I almost wanna stop there and say, 
wait a minute, I just got to like, I just got to absorb this moment because we're about ready to see a miracle happen. We're about ready to see you be set free for the first time in your life by, by sharing this, this inner thing that you've been holding on and sharing with nobody. I can't pray for you effectively and fervently if I don't know what is going on on the inside of you. But if you let me in on what's happening, I know, man, we're going to take this to prayer right now. I'm going to effectively and fervently pray over this thing that you just confessed. And we're going to see a breakthrough. We're going to see a miracle because God is going to release you of that stronghold because we're going to pray for it to be released. That's life groups. Find a group that you can circle up with. And here's the third way that we accomplish this year through our church, and that is serve teams. Just serving. I mean, the Bible tells us to serve one another. We, we know that. Check this verse out. Galatians chapter 5, 13 and 14. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to what, Church. Serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment, love your neighbors yourself. The Bible commands us, serve one another. But you know, psychologists and sociologists will say that people that volunteer their time not just improve the quality of their life, they become physically more healthy than people that don't volunteer. It's a proven fact. And I love when science backs up what the Bible's been saying for thousands of years. But you, you are a better version of yourself when you serve other people. Now, we create serve teams here. You know, it takes over 100 volunteers every week to put on a gathering like this every week. And if you feel as though God has given you a revelation, like, this is my church family, I know God has called me to belong to Atmosphere Church. Man, we, we love hearing that. But if you really feel like you belong to the family, I want you to have a share of the chores. <laughs> How many besides me had chores that you had to do every day by your mom and dad? Said, hey, hey, you, you have to do these chores to be a part of the family. Well, I've got a chore list for you. Can you put up that slide for us? Now, there are several opportunities for you to become part of one of our serve teams here. And, and I'm not asking you to do something that you're not excited about doing. I want you to find something you're passionate for, and, and I want you to just jump in and, and start serving the church in this capacity. This is why we do Start Class, because we, we try to help you kind of find and discover that, that perfect fit on a serve team. So if you're looking at this list right now and you're like, I don't know what area I, I would best serve in, then wait till our next start class and you could jump in there and, and we could help kind of hone that in on what serve team would best fit you. But some of you don't wait for that start class. Some of you, you you've seen people volunteer. You've been coming here for months and for whatever reason, you're like, I'm too busy. I don't know. I don't know if I'm good at that. I don't know if I'm qualified enough to do it. And all of these different voices that are just kind of making you feel like you shouldn't be a part of a serve team. I believe 
much more than you helping us and volunteer to take care of something that we have going on here. I believe that God is going to use you, part of our serve team, to actually serve you. The Bible says that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So as you begin serving other people, God boomerangs it back to you and says, boom, here's your encouragement. Boom, here is your inspiration. Boom, here's your connection. Because you just serve somebody, but you don't know. They're going through the same thing that you're going through. And I have brought you guys together divinely so that you can help one another. All because you were part of serve team. Let me just kind of give you an illustration. Our Levi team, which is our set-up teardown crew, you know, they meet here at like 6.45. They get up and they set up the, the audio and video and all the kids' area. You know, and once they get done, we provide them some breakfast sandwiches and they go in the conference room. And, and I just walked in today and they're having some beautiful conversations, man. They're getting into each other's lives. What I see happening is I see Peter, James, and John getting together with Jesus in the moment of distress and trouble, in the moment of people going from glory to glory. Because let me tell you, you need your Peter, James, and John. You're going to find them through weekly gatherings. You're going to find them through life group. And you're going to find them on a serve team. My last point I want to tell you is God wants you to be a part of a community. Not a church, a building, but a community, a common unity. You are not going to find perfect people at this church. And I've talked to people before, and they said, like, ah, I don't really want to go to church. Last church I was heard at, you know, I just, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to go to church. You know, that logic is just so crazy to me because I've never had anybody tell me they went to a restaurant and had bad food and so they're never going to any restaurant ever again. I've never, never heard anybody say that to me. Yeah, you may not go back to that restaurant, but really, you're never going to go to any, you're going to just home cook your food. Come on. So inevitably, you, you will run into somebody that, that has been hurt by a church, but not by the church. The church is a community, common unity. Finding people that you have things in common with, that you have the unity to say they want to move their life to be more and more like Jesus, to let heaven come to earth. And those are the people that I want to be connected with. Would you guys stand with me? And I'll have the worship team come up. And, and as we end our time, I, I understand that that half of you in this room are feeling lonely today. That's just reality. The other half of you are like, hey, we're good. But kind of flip the script for just a minute. If, if you're one of these people that you're like, I'm not really lonely. I want to flip the script because I believe that God is calling you to be a Peter, James, and John to somebody else that is in great distress and trouble. So it's it's not just about somebody being there for you. It's also about you being there for somebody else. God never wastes a hurt or an experience. And you may have been through some really tough stuff in your life. I'm here to tell you something, that God will use that hurt. He will use that experience to encourage somebody else that's going through that season in their life. 
He will use that hurt. He will use that experience to help somebody have hope that just like he got you through that space, he's going to get them through that space. So as we worship, I, I want you thinking about that. God, reveal to me who my Peter, James, and John are. And then at the same time, God, reveal to me who I am to be there for. Who, who God, you want me to be a Peter and James and John for. Because, my friend, you've been designed by God specifically to be connected with other human beings. And when you find that connection, not only are you going to find the antidote against loneliness, you may just find your breakthrough against anxiety that is wanting to destroy your soul. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. Bye.